Hey everyone, welcome back to the Class 1A podcast. My name is Andrew Nimsgern, and alongside me I have James Graham and Dylan Beal with me to break down everything that happened in the most recent episode of My Hero Academia, episode 19 of season 5, titled More of a Hero Than Anyone. It was a lore-packed episode where we got a spotlight on Aizawa and present Mike, which is not something we get a lot of. So what did you guys think of the episode overall? Before I go in the recap, talk more about it. Just how do you feel about getting these two guys some screen time? I need to say it. I cannot contain myself. It needs to be said. I'm just going to put it out there. Read Vigilantes. Just read Vigilantes, please. It yeah. has, if, if you liked anything that happened in this episode, turns out a lot of the backstory comes from Vigilantes and you should read it because it's a wonderful series. So much to the point that they stole panels from vigilantes and use them in the in this episode so yeah 100 read vigilantes yeah it, it's phenomenal you get so much more so much more substance about everything you learned about today for those of you that don't know what they're talking about we do get pretty much an entire arc within vigilantes that focuses a lot on what happened in this episode so we'll talk a little bit about that after we go through the recap and actually dive into the whole overall kind of backstory side story or whatever you want to kind of call it and it does flush out a lot more of that in Vigilante. So we'll talk more exactly what that looks like in a second. But I do restate the fact that you should read Vigilantes. We've been reading it for months now. I probably over a year now. It has been a phenomenal journey. And this episode does reinforce the fact of how good a Vigilante series would be. But before we do jump into the full recap and start talking about everything else that is happening, if you guys are looking for other My Hero Academic content, or if you do enjoy this My Hero Academic content, Make sure to subscribe to the Class 1A channel. We do a ton of My Hero stuff starting to slowly leak into other anime, but you can make sure to find all the recap for anime, manga series, the Vigilante series, and all that for so much more for recaps. We have lore videos and so much more over on the YouTube channel, so make sure to go and check that out. Or if you want to listen to these anime recap episodes on the go, they are available on all podcasting platforms across the world, so you can check it out wherever you are no matter what. But with that, let's just jump into the quick recap of everything that happened here so that all three of us can begin diving into all the cool parts of the episode. It starts off with all of the students from Class 1A getting back from their work stories, work studies, and the third term at UA has finally started. Today's class is pretty much just going to be everyone talking to their growth and accomplishments over winter break. So everyone grabs their hero costumes. We get to see a chance where all of them were kind of talking in the locker rooms. Uh, with Uraraka's new costumes being revealed, and I'm talking about that. The boys talking about Deku being able to control Black Whip finally. And then all of Class 1A does hand out to Grand Alpha, where they meet up with Al All Might instead of Aizawa, as Aizawa earlier in the episode was called out to the staff office. But instead, it's going to be Class 1A and All Might doing something, because who knows, they're not shown for the rest of the episode, because plot twist, this is an episode all about Eraserhead and Aizawa. The two of them are... I'm sorry, Eraserhead and Presa and Mike. Um, they are both driving. Some are both of them very clearly visually distressed. We see them driving over the bridge to what is Tartarus. Once they're at Tartarus, we meet our favorite detective and Gran Torino and get a little bit of a refresher on where Nomus come from, what they are, and who they originally were. And we do learn the idea that they believe Kurogiri is one of the childhood friends of Eraser and Mike from back when they went to school at UA. The, the best friend ended up dying, and we get a flashback where we learn a little bit more about who is Uburo Shukumu, Shirakumo. Correct, Dylan? You're always the best at pronouncing. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I think I think also 
Obro is is probably perfect Obro. for his name. Yeah. Obro Shikamuro. Um, we learned that they went to class 1A together way back when they were all in school, and then he ended up dying in a work study. Back in the present day, we do learn that Mike and Aizawa are there trying to speak to any parts of Obero that are still within Kirigiri to try to get any information. Because so far, they keep trying to talk to Kirigiri, and they get just basic information. Whenever they try to press on anything that would hurt the League of Villains, he kind of shuts down. So hoping these two that had a connection to the original body of this Nomu is going to be able to get something to him. Both are very, very hesitant at first to talk to Kirigiri really at all, not believing that this could be Obero. But once Aizawa starts to pick up on a couple of small characteristics that used to belong to Obero, which could really belong to anyone, but that's besides the point, they really start to dive so much more into Kirigiri and try to actually start getting moments out of them, calling back to a bunch of moments from when they were all together, the how they all wanted to be heroes. And we get some other really cool snippets of kind of Aizawa lore here instead of more about Obero or present Mike. So one his goggles were originally from Obero. They pretty much both had the same version. And now he's, Aizawa's now altered the Obero original goggles to being the slanted ones that we now know. And then two, we get the whole backstory on Aizawa expelling a whole class. So he never really actually expelled a whole class technically. He got permission from uh, Nezu to expel the whole class so that they would no longer just treat their lives as if they were nothing and that they would value all of them. So he pretty much expelled all of them as a lesson and then just reinstated them right away so that they would become better heroes. So that whole backstory of Azawa expelling a whole class never actually happened. So throughout that, they go through all this conversation. And in the end, Kirigiri basically starts going crazy. His form starts loosening. And for one moment, we get to see Obero's kind of face right next to Kirigiri's, pretty much confirming to everyone in the room that they are one. And we get one very important world out of Kirigiri here which is hospital, which is more than enough of what they needed as they do send that over to the Hero Public Safety Commission, which is then having a conversation with Hawks. And I think Hawks even says it, well, that's the last piece we needed or something kind of like that, kind of signifying that everyone's almost on the same page of this upcoming battle with the Meta Liberation that Hawks has been teasing Endeavor about for so long. And we do get to see another glimpse of Shigaraki at the end with a doctor who's pretty much saying that Shigaraki is now the perfect being of mix of what everything the doctors worked out on and all for one. So a little bit of a scramble there at the end, but it really was just pretty much one big lore dump episode on present Mike's and Aizawa's backstory with their friend and then one little teaser of what to come at the end of the episode. Let's kick off with just learning and talking about what we think of the whole Kirigiri situation. Dylan, what are you kind of thinking about this? It's wild. I mean, like, it, it's a... I don't know. This is, like, a pretty big reveal. Because, like, Kirigiri, like, seemed like, oh, he's just he's just a villain, right? Like, he's, that's just his, like, deal. And the fact that, like, he has ties uh, with, with Eraser and Present Mike, and that also he's a Nomu... Is a pretty big deal. Like not not only considering like that, but like we couldn't tell that he was a no move just from how he acts. And I think that's like the huge point here is like how wild is it that like a, like anybody can be a no move, right? I guess at this point, right? Just like anyone. Like I mean, granted, I think you have to like kind of look different in some way. So Kurogiri has like the that like warp field thing that probably hides him a little bit, but like. 
don't know. This this is this is kind of a big deal. Uh, a definitely a huge reveal. So it's uh, shocking to say the least. And I think we'll get into the details of Nomu kind of in the next big point we want to hit. But it was super interesting that they're kind of one. We do learn a little bit more that they keep some of their personalities. But two, we have seen Kurigiri so many times throughout the pretty much show now. He's probably appeared four or five different arcs now. But that we always just thought he was this fully functional kind of human. But no, once they started pressing him on it, he does have some kind of programming within him. So even though he was able to fully act as if he was an old person, because we always thought he was just a villain, he still has those kind of Nomu backbones, which I thought were super interesting that never picked up on that. Like, he didn't kind of give any subtle hints that he kept repeating the same thing over and over, like he had limited vocabulary or knowledge. Like, no, he's a fully functioning person. So almost anyone could be a Nomu. I mean, there would be enough giveaways if you spent enough time with someone, maybe. But we had no idea up to this point, which was weird. Yeah, I mean, like, look, looking back, uh, he didn't talk a lot. Like, if you go back to some of the other episodes, like the older episodes, he doesn't really, like, elaborate into things. He doesn't go into a lot of detail. He just, like, kind of says a few things. And, like, nothing really goes deep. It's all, like, surface-level things. And I think... Looking back, it's like, okay, that kind of makes sense. And not only that, too, but those surface-level things are very imbued with the personality that he... Like, the personality traits they kind of talk about. It is always, you know, like, devout loyalty towards Shigaraki being, like, almost like, 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 almost like a guardian kind of protector sort of thing, right? And that's basically all we really knew about Kuragiri, besides the fact that... He, like he was you know he had war powers and like it's a i think it's another thing too that we need to talk about is that they straight up manifested the the warp gate quirk because of like the these fusion of quirks that they did using using obero as the base right like i mean they like and that's kind of what they they, they said at the beginning so not only is it the power to create functioning nobu but creating new quirks altogether. and yeah and i guess Again, I think that's one of those My Hero things. I just keeping it vague of how they created a warp gate from a fusion of quirks is probably just for the better. Because they don't yeah. even, like, we know from the Vigilante series what Oberos quirk is. They don't mention it in this episode at all, which I thought was super interesting because it doesn't matter. The whole point of this episode was kind of on the emotional attachment between Aizawa, Mike, and Obero, and kind of that, like, oh, like, Nomus can still be the original person that they once were. But the fact that they can just create this incredibly powerful quirk out of just quirks that we have no idea what they are is super interesting. They don't explain why he looks the way he is now because we know that his body pretty much just exists of that little metal can. So yeah, I was the say, fog yeah. that we saw was just kind of a visualization of the fog turning into Obero's face. It wasn't actually Obero's face coming out of the smoke or anything kind of like that. But this is just one of those things where it'd be cool in a year or two, they do a full book on like, or something like a side story on how they developed the quirk and get really detailed about it. But for this episode, just keeping it so vague and saying, yep, the personality is still kind of there. They somehow created this super powerful quirk out of a bunch of random quirks is so good here because they could have gone down a rabbit hole of like, oh, they put together this and this was original quirk and they could have done with this and that to create who he is now and try to put together like the pieces of the other people with the inside of Obero. No, they kept it high level and focused on the emotional aspect, which was such a good way to do it. Yeah, I don't think I don't think you really need to like I don't think you need to beat the like the, the nuts and bolts of it to death, right? Like I think you just literally just leave it as that and like, yep, yeah, this is this is a thing and we and we move on, right? So and I think it was sick. I think, you know, uh you can definitely tell 
the like like the I like I I commonly call it like the A and B team for this animation like for the animation and most of this episode seemed to be that case of that higher animation because it, it like I mean it really was especially when Izawa was kind of going off very very like b- beautifully animated and everything like that right so I think that added to just how I think impactful this episode felt in comparison to like we like I mean we've had some pretty good episodes this season I know that doesn't seem to be the the complete thought process for the season for whatever reason. But like this one, I don't know. I found this one hit heavier than 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 others. Yeah, I I completely agree, and I think that's because they went for the pure emotional aspects. I mean, mm. a couple moments throughout the season they've gone to, but like if this episode didn't hit on an emotional level, it would have been pro- possibly one of the worst episodes of like the show because that's how yeah. heavily they tied into it. Because if if people don't care, if you can't develop this chaotic development between Obero and Aizawa in the first eight minutes of the episode, which they did a good job of, the rest falls flat. So that does go that not only is the animation looking amazing, but how quickly they told kind of a detailed backstory of a character that we know nothing about and made us care about it is what made this episode so good and allowed us to go into when they're giving all the smaller moments of just even Obero introducing himself to Aizawa or kind of the whole reason of why Aizawa expelled a whole class was he they didn't want him to turn out like Obero, like all those moments hit so well because there are little things we knew about Aizawa's backstory already, but how they all tie back to this one character we knew nothing about besides one name mention, I think two or three episodes ago was mind blowing to me how well they did that. I think one of the the really good things that they did with this is like, it's an even harder thing to do with the anime because in the manga, you essentially have three chapters that this, this spans this, this small story spans. And the benefit of doing that is you get like a little bit of a story and people can sit with it and they could start thinking about it. And then you can have a little bit more and you sit with it and you think about it. And so like, it's not like, Hey, by the way, here's this new character that Aizawa knew get an attachment to him like immediately. So it was like three chapters that people, some people had like, you know, a week or two in between them to really like sit with it and think about this relationship but in the anime, they only had eight, like eight minutes to do it, basically, because it was so short. And we still got that, like that tie between them. And just like underscoring what you said, Andrew, because I, I think I think it was a pretty big feat. Uh, and they they did it well. They actually did it really well in the anime, I think. Because yeah. we've seen from Vigilantes, like there's no spoilers or anything like that. But I think they did like 12 chapters, 14 chapters on Aizawa's backstory, where a majority of it was around Obero. So if you yeah, are wanting was... to learn more about him, that is where you go. And they could have put that into the main series. Like they could have made an entire arc out of all the Aobro information we know between the main series and Vigilantes, but instead they decided to do one episode about it or three chapters in the main series and put all of it into a side story, which is super interesting. That's how deep they could have gone with this character, but they felt like, hey, we don't need to do this. We could do it in a different medium without messing up the pacing of the season, which is even more impressive. mm -hmm. It's pretty ballsy, honestly, dude. Like, when you have that degree of, like, that level of source material and you just choose to, like, do, like, take very key snippets from it and then just be like, this is the product and this is what we're going with. And, uh, like, again, it was executed very well, but I think it is. Like, it's... it's it. I feel from, like, a storytelling perspective, it's a pretty gutsy move. So... I I'm I'm impressed that it turned out as well as it did because like yeah this is definitely one of the heavier hitting episodes. Yeah, because like I, I so like I guess like the the meta of this is that Horikoshi uh, saw what he wrote for this 
and essentially was like, I want to develop this a little bit more. I didn't get all the things I wanted out of this small arc. And so he gave that little bit to the vigilantes creator and the vigilantes creator like built upon that relationship. Yeah. Uh, and it, they could have, they could have totally put it in there, but I think it might be, it might be a soft hint, it might be a little soft hint that we, we will actually get to see the animated version of it because they didn't wow. want to kill the series. Because uh, yeah. if they animated it, we were talking about this before the show, but if they if they would have taken that source material and just put it in here as like a whole arc or something, that would have totally killed our chances of having a Vigilantes anime show, OVA, movie, whatever you want. Um, but the fact that they didn't, I think, might be a soft hint that that it is still absolutely on the table. Yeah. Absolutely. And I hope it is. I hope I honestly do, because I think it does not only the the like the 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 trio of these characters justice, but it does it does a, like much more to like the My Hero universe justice as well. Like, I think it, it, it deserves its it deserves its animation for sure. I mean, Dragon Ball gets 18 series. Why can't My Hero Academia have a second one? <laughs> but the one thing I do hope that this isn't hinting at is that there is going to be some big battle in the future with the Nomu where it is going to be some personal connection that saves the day. Like that's not what I want. I don't want another personal interaction between a hero and a Nomu to be the reason a battle ends or something like that, because we do kind of moving on to the overall nature of the Nomu. Like we know that they keep their personality somewhat. And if you push them hard enough, they clearly do have some of the memories there. That's kind of what a big part of this episode was. And Kirigiri is definitely much more advanced than any other Nomu we've seen. But we also saw Hood at the end of last season, what they mentioned a little bit in this episode, that had more personality than any other Nomu we've really seen to date, and had a lot more kind of a drive and just intelligence than that we've seen. So, obviously, Nomu are probably going to keep getting stronger throughout the series. They've been a big part of the series so far. I don't see why that would stop now. But I don't want some death of a close character we have to be a random school teacher, some kind of like that, and then they bring him back as a Nomu. But then the teachers go and fight that Nomu and they said, wait, the power of friendship, don't fight us anymore. And then the Nomu kills themselves. Like, I don't want that. That's the last thing I want Nomus to go down. I want them to be this big, bad, kind of just the henchmen of the League of Villains. Just continue going forward. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't like, and I don't think we'll get that. I think because of how the, this episode panned out, like you said, there was like a degree of almost like a fail safe that kind of kicks in that like doesn't let these things get too, like like the the previous personality went over too much that there's like a the, you know there's a fail safe right i think that is what seems to be the trend now who knows down the road but i think we can kind of i think we can kind of safely bank on that yeah i mean like i i think a good way that like i i'm going to start thinking about nomas like going forward is they're basically zombies at this, this point. They're yeah. they're already dead. Like they they have they are no longer who they were, and they might have like some of those like memories kind of like pushed through a little bit. But like at the end of the day, they're basically just reanimated corpses that are just like twisted into these nomu, which frankly is horrifying. That's scary. That's like dark, some spooky yeah. stuff. Yeah. Yeah, because they said like from the brain to the heart, they are no longer the person they once were, or something like that. Like just they made it very clear that like hey. Even though there is going to be a an, uh, personal connection between Kurgiri and Mike slash Ozawa, this is still not going to be the person. And no matter what happens, that person will never come back. Is another thing they set up right away. Like No matter what happens in this chapter, in this episode, nothing's going to change. At the end of the day, mm-hmm. Kurgiri is still going to be Kurgiri. And that's another good thing. Like there's, no, there's not going to be a redemption arc for Kurgiri. 
he's always going to be like this no matter what, which is another good thing they set up because that's something that people are just going to say, well, oh, maybe Kirikiri is going to come and save the day when everyone's in trouble, something like that. Like, nope, that's not going to happen. Another thing that would just be annoying to kind of have as a background thread that people just keep speculating that isn't good for anything. Which I think makes it all that more tragic that you know that there's no redemption, right? Like it, that's I think that may, I think and like again because we talked about how how short limited time you had to tell a story, I think that just adds to it that they 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 iron that out so fast that and that's why there's so much emotion in this episode because you know you're never getting Obero back, you know what I mean? So I think that is just like it's another layer on this emotional roller coaster that we just went through today, right? Yeah, but I guess. The thing is, we did get one big thing out of Obero, which is setting up where the series is going. And that was just a single word hospital, which <laughs> to everyone in that room, it didn't really mean much. But apparently to the Hero Commission safety and Hawks, it meant a lot because that put together everything that he needed to know. Now, we saw him teaching twice about the Meta Liberation like, kind of ideology at the end, which I thought was very fun. But we do see a doctor overlooking... Shigaraki, who we have not seen besides the one moment of him destroying a city. And that's probably going to be teasing MVA, which we've talked about a couple times already. We saw it in the teaser for next week, but there's going to be a two-month jump back in the past, and all that's finally going to be explained. So, I guess, one, the doctor at the end of this episode is the same doctor from episode one of season one. Like, we've confirmed that yeah, before, right? Yeah, yeah we already talked yep. through that. No, no, we we didn't we didn't talk through it yet, but like I definitely like in, in post put the pictures up, put the pictures up next to each other because literally <laughs> this is the same this is the same character. Look at the goggles; it's the same character. Yeah. It's not it's not a doctor. It is the doctor. It is the it, doctor from episode one. But why? That's a throw. It's a throwaway character. Why does it have to be Deku's doctor? Yeah, there's only one doctor in all of Japan that knows anything <laughs> about quirks. So yeah, here he about is. this pinky toe bone thing. Like you already have the character drawn. He was so well done that we might as well just turn him into a villain. But yeah. what is what is the implications behind that? This this opens up like literally Pandora's box, right? <laughs> it's like okay, that was Deku's doctor. Did did something happen to Deku? Is 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 there like some sort of connection between like him and Shigaraki now? Like what is what does this mean yeah what does it mean no this is not going to be a harry potter voldemort connection anything kind of like this i think it's just he had to keep the kind of the disguise up during the day and do shit at night because clearly he made some he's kind of comment yeah this yeah, is like so he shigaraki's now the ultimate combination between everything that he's done and all for one so to so me any, kurikiri yeah. knowing about the hospital point of this doctor this is the man that creates nomu and all for what? And now Shigaraki is going to be a god. Or, or Deku, he lied and Deku's said Deku did. He de no, he lied. He said that Deku didn't have a quirk. <laughs> he actually does have a quirk, and it's going to manifest, and it's going to be more powerful. It's going to be more powerful than you, you you can even think of. Or he took off. Or he took Deku's quirk. So or good. he took Deku's so quirk. Yeah. So is no. it, and that's just see, that's what I was thinking. It was like, I was like, if he if he knew Deku was a threat, he would have like offed him at some point, right? They well, would have no. just like he wasn't you can't just kill a kid. Point. You can abduct a kid, and like I don't know that like that happens. No matter right? what like, quirk Deku had, he still would have been use useless. Like his parents had a floating quirk and a fire breathing quirk. Like the doctor wouldn't have like no, like he would not have been. A, the doctor was not going to off Deku. 
at any point. Could. If he knew he was a threat, if he knew, like, if it was some Harry Potter Voldemort bullshit, he could have killed him there. He could, yeah. like, right what? there, cold blood. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Okay, so Deku, like, like it's, it's like telekinesis and fire. Maybe some combination of the both could have did like some crazy quirk that was super strong, and he was like, "Wow, this is a powerful quirk. I need to take it away from you, Deku." And he gets and a Hadouken. He's fucking Ryu, dude. He gets a Hadouken exactly, wouldn't and he has to made, take it away. Wouldn't it have made sense to have like going back to the doctor after he manifests a quirk after he was told he'd never have one, like? The thing is, like, oh, why did he never why go back to the doctor? flag for his mother? Why was that? Why was, why was she just super down with that? Yeah, why did they not like, get that checked out? Like, why did they not go back to the childhood doctor? That's, that told him he never get a quirk. Parenting. Well, that's no, because parenting. well, because Deku knows why he has a quirk now, and so he's probably like, oh, it's fine. Oh, don't don't like, worry about it, mom. Yeah, but like, if you just grew a third arm tomorrow and you knew why. Your mom still wouldn't make you go to the doctor because you just grew a third arm. Like it still doesn't make sense. Like you should still go and get it checked out. Is it, it is it is it one of those things that are in hero society is just so normalized that quirks just manifest out of nowhere? They're like, eh, I guess I won't follow up. Like no, like, yeah, no, it, it is. They they do say that that sometimes quirks manifest really late. No, okay, so Deku shouldn't have ever manifested a quirk because he has that uh. He doesn't the, have the extra joint in his pinky. No, no, he no, he or still has still, the extra. Yeah, he still, has, he still has it. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, it shouldn't have manifested, but so, they did say sometimes quirks manifest late, and that's they, I. I'm pretty sure they talk about this of where Deku's like, oh yeah, I guess I'm just a late bloomer and it manifested late. Don't worry about it. I'm, uh -huh. I'm pretty sure they bring that up before. Oh my god, I like. I was gonna say, man, like this uh, this story's falling apart. There's so many loopholes. This is bullshit. No, we're just literally the throwing out what. We're just throwing out whatever comes to the top of our head. We're not even discussing it at this point. We're just throwing out shit. I said, Deku's a Nomu, and you two actually went with it for about 20 seconds. That's how you know okay. we're not even talking anymore. We're just throwing shit out there. So all I'm going to say is we saw the doctor. That was Deku's doctor from episode one. Deku doesn't have a quirk. He might have had a quirk when he was born. No. And we see him with Shigaraki, who's getting experimented on. Getting zapped. He is getting Deku's original quirk. No. Oh, maybe. That doesn't even make sense. I can, I can see that. Doesn't even make sense. I know, I know, I know, I know. I know we've we've moved past the Aizawa discussion, but I kind of want to go back to it really quick because I want to talk about the fact that this man decided to be like, you know what? I'm going to punish you dumbasses so much that I am going to kick you out of school and then re-enroll you, so you have to deal with that for the rest of your like educational life like you have to have the fact that you were expelled at one point and i'm just gonna your next day you're showing back up but that's just on there like that i like i think we need to do, like realize the gravity of aizawa and and like how much trauma homeboy's dealing with with seeing his boy dead like i think this like this left a real real scar on him yeah but like i know that's a bigger deal in like japanese society probably than u.s society but you graduate from UA as a hero student, no one's gonna give a shit. Like it, it really was just like a one day lesson. I mean Yeah, but like how many how many of those how many of those students did you do are in the top ten? How many of them are like big heroes? I haven't I haven't seen like, we saw, like Kabuto boy from the class. It doesn't matter. Yeah, I didn't I don't see him anywhere. He was devastated, man. That guy he he might have he might have done something drastic. He might have gone to a life of crime after that. Is wait, that the, wait, the class that got expelled? Yeah, class two A. Yeah, yeah, no, they're two A right now. Of course, they're not top ten heroes because they're still in school. That's two A. Is that two no, A? Yeah, that's that's that we that was the reveal of like who is the second year students. Yeah, 
Oh, really? Yeah, well, they said they expelled yeah. last year's class. Which means that they're now 2A. Oh, they were 2A. 1A, and now they're right. 2A. Yeah, so you're talking a lot of shit about people that are still in school, James. Well, they still, they're still trash because you have, like, the big three in before them, and you have the big three after them. It's so, like, I don't know, man. They're, like... They're, they're, they're literally okay, the well, middle well, of the three, The big three after is because they're they're seniors now, so, like, they're super strong. And the big three before, they're main characters, so they have extra yeah. powers, so... Yeah, they're the middle child of, of anime. I don't know, dude. <laughs> they're just having a rough go. All right, we're going down. We're going down fast. So let's bring this all back together and hopefully come together in the Plus Ultra Award recipient this week. For those that do not know, this is a weekly award that each one of the hosts pick a character that went beyond, beyond that went Plus Ultra each and every week because they stood out during the episode. And James, who would be your pick for this week's Plus Ultra? Oh, dude, it is the My Hero Academia version of Roy Mustang that gets this for sure. It is Aizawa. Aizawa had a It's a Beautiful Day for Rain moment. Um, he was went through a ton of emotional turmoil. I was actually able to, for the first time that we've ever seen, summon a personality out of Anomu. So I think my boy gets it. I think Aizawa gets it for sure, despite the fact that he did have his support system of President Mike there the entire time, who is a fan of American muscle, apparently. Um, yeah, I think it's Aizawa for sure. Dylan, don't fuck so, up. So, I, I originally, I was thinking about it. I didn't really want to give it to someone because I don't think anyone actually went plus ultra in this. But I think, I think uh, Aizawa deserves it. Even though he is uh, emotionally scarred and takes it out on, on kids, I think that uh, the powerful moments we got in this episode give him the plus ultra award. He got permission from the principal to do it, though. So, that's not as bad. It's on Nezu. It's not on Aizawa. Azawa couldn't have done it if Nezu didn't approve it. Nezu's like, yeah, we we support higher, like, unique schooling here. Free spirits, yeah. We we know Nezu has, like, a twisted mind already, though. Yeah, he's tapped, He he does want revenge on a human, don't he? So I guess that is one way to do it. But I give it to Azawa, too. Nezu would be my follow-up just because he doesn't give a shit about his students at all. But Aizawa is my number one. I think he's the only one that really deserted this chapter. I agree. No one went beyond beyond, but he did have really good moments. He was able to see past um, Kuguri and see his old friend, which is something that takes a little bit of kind of work through it. So I do believe that he deserves it. And it is another sweep, fifth, sixth of the season. Probably we've had a lot more sweeps than we ever have. So a lot of people yeah. just have their standout episodes this season, which isn't anything to complain about. But the villains are going to start getting them starting next week. So I'm very interested to see what that's oh, going to pumped. look like. But with that, let's wrap up whatever the hell of this was of an episode. Thank you all so much for tuning us in. Listen to us make up things about Deku's original quirks, Deku being a new move, and so much more. It's always fun to podcast and talk with you guys about My Hero Academia. So as always, leave your thoughts down below in the YouTube video if you are watching or if you're on podcasting. You can come over to YouTube, leave your thoughts there, or tweet us out on Twitter, twitter.com slash class1apod. We're always willing to talk about everything we say and usually defend it sometimes. We can't defend what we do say, but we'll still try to anyway. So thank you all for listening. We'll be back next Sunday for another, next Saturday for another anime recap. Hope you guys all have a great week and see you then.